welcome to the Shaky Grounds Cafe podcast with your host, Tyler Robinson. In this episode, Tyler and his guest ChatGPT try to answer one of the most frequently asked questions from guests in his escape room. Where should I store my emergency preparedness supplies? Welcome to the Shaky Grounds Cafe podcast. This is your host, Tyler Robinson. This is a new podcast where I try and answer some frequently asked questions from people who have recently played the Shaky Grounds Cafe mobile escape room. For those of you who don't know, I built an escape room called the Shaky Grounds Cafe. Uh, It's a full one-hour interactive experience that teaches players about emergency preparedness while they play an escape room game. All the puzzles that you solve are going to teach you a bit about emergency preparedness, how to store water, how to shut off a gas main, things like that. So it's a super fun, immersive experience. But at the end of the game, people frequently have questions about emergency preparedness, which I try and answer. Uh, I distribute some information to people and give them handouts. But there's one question that seems to come up time and time again, which is, where should I keep my emergency supplies? It's a rather nuanced question, and it's very, the answer is very dependent on a lot of different factors. It, you know, you have to look at the risk factors for your specific area, what sort of uh, hazards you potentially face, and take that into effect, uh, take, sorry, into account. Uh, you have to talk about storage availability. Not everyone has a bunch of space just to be storing a bunch of things that they may never use. Uh, we have to talk about accessibility, making sure that those items are easy to get when you need them. We have to talk about security, making sure those things are secure and uh, that, you know, if you choose to store them outdoors or whatever, that they're safe and locked up. Uh, And we also have to talk about uh, your individual plans, whether we're talking about storing supplies for a bug out or a bug in situation. So the answer is always difficult. You don't know everyone's situation. So it's a very nuanced um, answer. And I never quite know how to answer it. I, it seems like I end up kind of waffling around that answer, and uh, I'm going to attempt to answer that. Joining me today is my guest and co-host, ChatGPT. Uh, hello, ChatGPT. How are you doing today? Hello. I'm an AI language model, so I don't have feelings, but I'm here and ready to assist you. How can I help you today? Where should I keep my emergency preparedness supplies? When it comes to storing your emergency preparedness supplies, it's important to choose a location that is easily accessible and known to all members of your household. Here are some considerations. Indoor storage. Select an area inside your home that is dry, cool, and easily accessible. Uh, That's a good point. Uh, A designated closet, a spare room, or a basement area can work very well. You do need to ensure, though, that the storage space is free from potential hazards such as chemicals or flammable materials. Um, What else? Waterproof containers. Store your supplies in sturdy, waterproof containers to protect them from moisture and potential damage. Consider using plastic bins with secure lids or duffel bags made from durable materials. Uh, That's a good idea about the bins, especially living here in the Pacific Northwest where we obviously deal with a lot of water. Uh, Having something watertight um, is a good idea. Also, making sure those things are stackable and crush-proof is is pretty clutch. You're probably not going to want to store your, um, you know, extra toilet paper and things in, like, crushable, soaking wet cardboard boxes. Um, I also like, uh, like a large rolling case, such as a contractor's toolbox. You can often find it like a big box store. It's like a big rolling solid uh, box, and those are a really good option for storing things in. Um, and also they're on wheels, uh, so they're good for, for bugging out if you need to um, take that stuff with you. What else? Elevated storage. If you live in an area prone to flooding, it's a good idea to keep your emergency supplies elevated from the floor. Placing them on shelves or pallets can help prevent water damage. Uh, yeah, good point. Um, also, please keep in mind, you're going to want to make sure you're storing your heavy objects um, at the bottom of the shelf. You don't want to put all that water up on the top shelf during an earthquake. It's all going to fall over and likely get destroyed and uh, cover all your supplies with water from the broken water containers. And you should also be sure that you're doing your own research to evaluate the risks in your area. So 
you know, are you prone to flooding? You need to kind of figure that out. Uh, a great place to figure that out is on the Oregon Department of Geology and Minerals Industry webpage, uh, Dogami. Uh, it's, they've got a uh, Oregon has view, uh, what they call it. It's a statewide geohazards viewer. It's an interactive map. You can put in your address and find out what hazards are specific to where you uh, live, work, and play. You can uh, find all the geohazards in your neighborhood. Uh, the map provides a way to view many different geohazards in the state of Oregon. You can enter the address for your home, school, business, or public buildings in your area to see what hazards might affect you. You can print the map that you create. Uh, you can find that at www.organgeology.org slash hasview, H-A-Z-V-U. I'll put a link to that in the description um, and on my, my blog, Prepping Side Quests. Uh, what else you got, ChatGPT? Visible and labeled. Clearly label your emergency supply containers to make it easy to locate specific items during an emergency. Yeah, um, that's a great idea. I do label a lot of my boxes uh, in my storage. Uh, what else? Consider the needs of all household members, including children, elderly individuals, or people with disabilities. Ensure that the storage location is within reach and that everyone understands how to access the supplies. Yeah, I also like to create a list uh, of all of my supplies and where they can be found in the event that someone unfamiliar with my house needs to go in and collect my stuff for me. Uh, say I'm out of town or what have you, and uh, a neighbor needs to come in and grab my supplies for me. Uh, they're not going to know my space or where to find stuff. So I, I like to um, make a list and tell people where they can find those things throughout my house. I'll keep a printed copy with my emergency evacuation plan, and that is something I actually give to one of my neighbors that I trust as well. So they've actually already got that information. Anything else, chat bot? While it's important to have quick access to your emergency supplies, it's also crucial to keep them safe from theft or misuse. If possible, choose a storage location that can be locked or secured. Yeah, in my case, I've got a garage that locks. That's a great solution for me. Uh, again, your solution may be different, but uh, if you do choose to keep stuff outside, obviously you want to keep people out of it that you don't want in there uh, and or animals. I've got a lot of raccoons out back. I probably wouldn't want them running around my snacks. Um, Chopbot, any other thoughts? Remember to regularly check and update your emergency supplies to ensure that food, water, medications, and other items are not expired and are in good condition. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, things expire frequently, and it can be challenging to kind of keep up on that stuff. I, this is almost an entirely different subject, but um, one solution that I've found that works really well for me is I've created a uh, Google spreadsheet, and uh, I track all the items in my preparedness kit. And you can get this free add-on called Add Reminders, um, that uh, is a pretty great function because you can add a column in your spreadsheet uh, with expiration dates and the, uh, the add-on will track those expiration dates and send you an email when it sees that something uh, has uh, expired. So if you're, if you're tracking all your items that have expirations and you're putting those expiration dates in your spreadsheet, you'll simply get an email that says, hey, it's time to you know replace your chem lights or your batteries or, or whatever happens to have an expiration date. Uh, it takes a lot of the fuss out of um, tracking expiration dates on medicines and things like that. It, that's a feature I love. Anything else, chatbot? It's also a good idea to have a portable emergency kit that you can grab and take with you in case you need to evacuate. Always follow any specific recommendations or guidelines provided by your local emergency management agency or disaster preparedness resources, as they may offer region-specific advice. Uh, yep, yeah, that is a very good point. Uh, let's go ahead and dig into that right now. Well, okay, let's check out the Oregon Department of Emergency Management website and see what they have to say about where to store your kit in Oregon. Uh, being prepared means being equipped with at least two weeks worth of food, water, and critical supplies. Yep, yeah, that's that's true. That's what we teach in the escape room. Be two weeks ready. Uh, learn how to assemble an emergency supply kit at ready.gov or American Red Cross. 
Okay, so they're already kind of pushing me off somewhere else with some links. Okay, before we go there, what else do I have to say? Uh, prepare a pet evacuation kit in a tote bag or pet crate. Yes, that's obviously very true, but that doesn't really tell me where to store my kit. Okay, uh, what else? Uh, keep your supplies in an easy-to-carry backpack. Yeah, that's good. A bucket or bag that you can use at home or take with you in emergency. Yeah, but where do I put it? Where do I keep it? Okay, well, let's click this link. Uh, Ready.gov. That's, you know, it's the, the federal agency that kind of you know, looks at emergency preparedness and tells us what to do. Um, Oregon Emergency Management is telling me to go there. What do they have to say about where to store your kit? Uh, since you do not know where you will be when an emergency occurs, prepare supplies for home, work, and cars. Okay. Uh, home. Keep this kit in a designated place and have it ready in case you have to leave your home quickly. Right, but I'm... I want to know where you think I should keep that kit. Whatever. Uh, work. Be prepared to shelter at work for at least 24 hours. Okay, I guess. Uh, your work kit should include food, water, and other necessities like medications, as well as comfortable walking shoes stored in a grab-and-go case. Fine, but where do I store it? Uh, it also says car. In case you were stranded, keep a kit of emergency supplies in your car. That's it. All right. Um, pretty unhelpful. Let's uh, let's see if Chatbot can help out. Ch chatbot, I, um, I live in Portland, Oregon. Should I keep my emergency preparedness supplies in the basement? Living in Portland, Oregon, where the risk of earthquakes is higher than in some other areas, keeping your emergency preparedness supplies in the basement can be a reasonable option. However, there are a few factors to consider. Seismic safety. Assess the structural integrity of your basement and its susceptibility to damage during an earthquake. Uh, yeah, okay, that's true. Um, if your basement is reinforced or designed to withstand seismic activity, it can be a suitable location. However, if it's prone to flooding or has unreinforced masonry walls or is structurally weak, it may not be the best choice. Okay, that's helpful. What else, chatbot? Accessibility. Ensure that your emergency supplies are easily accessible in case of an earthquake. If your basement has a separate entrance or is easily reachable even if the upper floors are compromised, it can be a good storage location. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I guess it would be nice if your basement had more than one entrance. So if your one entrance is compromised, you can still get down there. That's, that's a reasonable thought. Uh, anything else? Alternate storage options. Consider having additional emergency supplies in other locations such as on the main floor of your home or in a garage. This can ensure that you have supplies accessible on different levels of your residence. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Yeah, um, yeah. this is ultimately what I found myself doing, sort of breaking up my supplies and spreading them throughout the house. You know, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, sort of a theory. Um, yeah, I like, uh, I like to use my kit as well. For example, my first aid kit. That is the first aid kit for the house. So I'm not going to scroll that away somewhere. I need to have it accessible. Um, but part of the difficulty then is if I need to evacuate quickly, my items are spread far and wide throughout the house. So uh, there's some planning that needs to go in to, to help kind of that plan, uh, which includes making a list. Uh, we Kind of touched on that a little bit earlier making a list of where all your supplies are and and how to get them again and we'll get into that a bit more later uh, what else chat thought waterproofing basements can be prone to moisture and flooding so it's essential to protect your supplies from water damage use waterproof containers and elevate them from the floor to minimize the risk of water exposure yeah i guess we kind of covered that already but thank you anything else consider evacuation in the event of a major earthquake or other disasters, there may be instances when you need to evacuate your home quickly. In such cases, having a portable emergency kit that you can grab and take with you is crucial. Keep a backpack or duffel bag with essential supplies ready near your exit points. Um, yeah, okay, that's true. Let's table that for a moment and revisit it, though. Um, any final thoughts on this one? Ultimately, you should assess the specific conditions and layout of your basement to determine if it's a suitable storage location for your emergency supplies. 
It's also a good idea to consult local emergency management agencies or disaster preparedness resources in your area for any specific recommendations or guidelines they provide regarding emergency preparedness for earthquakes in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, so we kind of did that already. We kind of hit a dead end. So let's see what else we can find out. We'll do a little Googling here. And oh, look at this. We got a Oregonian article from March 22nd, 2013 by Lily Oberman titled Earthquake Preparedness, Where to Store Your Emergency Supplies. Okay, this looks like it could be helpful. Uh, let's just dig into this a bit. Shelly Meyer knows what supplies she should have on hand when Oregon's big earthquake finally hits, but she's stumped when it comes to figuring out where she should store these potentially life-saving items so she can make sure she'll be able to get at them. Yeah, I, I feel you. Um, I want to take the appropriate steps, she said, but sometimes I get stopped when I think, where am I going to put this stuff? Meyer of Lake Oswego knows the gallons of water and canned food she's purchased won't do her much good if, after the quake, the place she stored them is inaccessible. Yeah, good point. One of the best solutions, according to the officials of the Oregon Office of Emergency Management, is to keep supplies in a number of areas. Oh yeah, there, there, there's that again. That's, that's what I do. I like, I like this. Okay. They recommend keeping a disaster supply kit in the car and then both a go kit and a seven-day supply of necessities at home. Okay, yeah. What else? Uh, major earthquakes usually produce major tsunamis, and those who live in a tsunami inundation zone have to think outside their homes for storing emergency supplies. The city of Cannon Beach, for example, has set up a system under which people can rent space inside storage units so they won't have to carry their items uphill in the event of a tsunami. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that's, that's neat. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, I, if, uh, if and when the tsunami hits on the coast, um, you're not going to have much time to get uphill to a tsunami safe area and you may not or very likely won't be able to stop at home and get your supplies. So being able to store those outside the tsunami inundation zone is pretty clutch. So uh, this was in 2013. I wonder if other cities have um, done this as well. Well, anyway, if you want to learn more about the emergency cash container program in uh, Cannon Beach, you can call them at 503-436-1581 or uh, simply Google that and get more information on that. Um, I'll also have a link to that in, this, uh, in the description or on my blog. Um, but that's a good, interesting idea. Yeah, keeping supplies outside the home. So I understand how that works for a tsunami. Uh, I guess you could do the same for an earthquake in the city, maybe keeping some supplies at other people's houses so that if your supplies are compromised, you've got a backup kit somewhere else. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Althea Rizzo, the Geological Hazards Program Coordinator for OEM, Oregon Emergency Management, uh, said the right place to store supplies really depends on the type of home or apartment where a person lives. Yeah, nuanced, right? Storing them in a garage might be a good idea, she said, because many garages are built on concrete floors and therefore will be more stable during a big quake. If no garage is available, then keeping items in a closet or storage room also works. The key thing Rizzo said is accessibility and braced shelving. Yeah, I guess that's true. You don't want your shelves falling over and crushing all your stuff. So you got to make sure you got some nice stable shelves. You probably don't want some really cheap plastic flimsy things. Um, you can reinforce your shelving. You can brace it to the wall uh, or build some sturdy shelving or use some really good industrial shelving. Um, you know, there's costs associated with all that and a little bit of skill but if you can if you can do that yourself and brace and reinforce your shelving that's a good that's a good tactic also again remembering to keep your heavier items stored um stored on the bottom but also not right on the floor you do want those up on the first shelf so if you do get a little bit of standing water in there uh, it's elevated above that also um I'm told that the temperature of a concrete floor can fluctuate, and so that constantly changing temperature can affect some of your stored items, particularly when you're storing water in plastic uh, containers on the concrete floor. I, um, I've been reading that that can be not the best practice. So, you know, having the water on the lowest shelf but still off the floor of the garage is a good practice. 
what else we got? Uh, let's see. OEM also recommends keeping emergency supplies for up to seven days at your place of work. Seven days at work. Okay. That's, that's more than I would have thought, but that's, yeah, I guess you could be at work for a week. Um, I would say a minimum of a day, but I don't know. I'm not going to second guess OEM. Uh, she advised people to keep their supplies near their desk and not in a locked supply closet. You don't want your things locked away in case the person with the key isn't there, she said. Yeah, that's true. Uh, my general, general recommendation, and I'm certainly not the authority, uh, is to keep a, a box in or under your desk with, um, think about maybe staying in your office overnight and then needing to walk home. If roads are impassable and you have to leave your car, how are you going to get home? In theory, maybe you've got some stuff in your car to help as well that you can take with you. But in your office, uh, I would definitely plan on keeping a little bit of food, a little bit of water, uh, a flashlight, uh, a little radio. You can get some news. Sometimes you can get the combination radio and flashlight. Um, maybe a little power bank to charge your cell phone in case the power's out and you need to send texts to your loved ones. A comfortable pair of shoes in case you need to walk home. Uh, and maybe like a little emergency blanket or something like that. That does bring up a really good point, and it's a topic that really deserves its own episode. Uh, but it's the idea of having multiple kits. So you've got your kit at home. That's your two weeks ready kit, right? You're going to be on your own for two weeks after the earthquake. Uh, so having enough food, water, medical supplies for two weeks. That, that's, your big, that's your big kit. And all your other kits are sort of meant to get you back to that kit. Having a kit in your car is, is a good practice. Uh, I like to think about the idea of what if I was stranded in my car overnight in the winter and having enough stuff to kind of deal with that. So having in your car a blanket, a flashlight, uh, some food, some water. I even keep a little camp stove so I could make and some coffee and tea just for morale um, and some, some good shoes, some uh, weather appropriate clothing and just the general idea that if I was stranded and I had to leave my car behind and I had to walk home what things are going to make it possible for me to leave my car and walk home to where my two weeks of supplies are kept uh, same thought at work having enough stuff at work for that same scenario you're stranded you can't drive your car how are you going to get from your work to your home then for something for at school or uh, something for the children if they need to shelter in place at school or they need to get from school to at home what items are they going to want or need? And then finally, there's another little kit we call under the bed kit, which uh, is really meant to help you um, if the earthquake hit in the middle of the night and your house shifted. Um, frequently what can happen is um, the house can shift and it can pinch your doors shut the, the, and you won't be able to open the door easily. Uh, also, um, imagine that situation in the middle of the night uh, and the power is out. So having some stuff immediately accessible that can help you in that situation, which would be uh, a flashlight and a pry bar, a pry bar to help pry the door open or to break out a window if you need to get out that way. A flashlight. I also keep some snap lights in there, some chem lights, a sturdy pair of shoes in case you don't have any uh, around. You may be dealing with broken glass. You're going to want to put some shoes on, possibly some work gloves, uh, a dust mask. And I like to keep a whistle in there as well. Uh, so you can signal to emergency responders if you're trapped. Uh, again, this is a whole other subject, but um, yeah, this idea that you have multiple kits is a really good one, and all of them should be meant to get you back home to where you can reunify with your friends and family and um, get to your two weeks of supplies. So I feel like we still haven't entirely answered the question of where should I store the stuff? So I did a little more Googling, and I came upon a site that I now love. It's called newlifeonahomestead.com. Uh, this is a, essentially um, a website or a blog um, where a team of homesteading experts are constantly adding and improving articles on a variety of subjects ranging from raising livestock and gardening to do-it-yourself. So it looks like there's a very recent article from March 17th 2023 by Kendra Lynn titled 12 places to store your survival supplies. So let's look through that real quick under the couch. That's a great idea. Um, if you live in a small apartment or something like that, you don't have a lot of extra storage space. 
uh, what can you cram underneath your couch? Another idea for a small living situation might be to pull your couch uh, off the wall, maybe by a foot, and you can um, store things behind it uh, and kind of stack it behind the couch. And then you could maybe cover that with a nice piece of cloth or something like that. Uh, cabinets and shelves. So yeah, kitchen cabinets. I know in my place I've got some cabinets that are up really high that are far too inaccessible to kind of be used for everyday items. That's a good place to squirrel stuff away. Uh, and also at the back of cabinets where you frequently aren't able to reach or access, access anyway. You can just kind of store that stuff further back in the in your cabinets. Um, and when you talk about shelves too, how how high can you go? Is there dead space above your shelves? Can you extend those shelves in some way? Uh, are you handy? Can you install additional shelves? Uh, again, if you're going up high, you're not going to want to store your heavy objects up there, but that could be a great place for some of your um, s smaller objects. Um, this one I really like, inside luggage. So yeah, if you got suitcases around, that's just empty space. You could be storing all your emergency supplies in your suitcase, which also makes it very accessible for a quick bug out situation. Um, and then when you travel, you just pull that stuff out, set it aside, pack your bags when you come back home, do your laundry, put your emergency supplies back in there and squirrel it away. Uh, I love that one. Closets, is there dead space in the back of your closets? Or sometimes your closet goes in and kind of like, goes wide to the left and the right, but it's kind of unusable space. Can you store stuff back there or behind the rack of clothes? Um, can you stack some stuff in some, uh, some like uh, plastic totes or something like that and st stack them up at the back of your closet? Underneath beds is fantastic. That's one I often recommend. If you're not using that space already, there's a lot of space underneath there. You can get some purpose-made storage containers that slide neatly underneath the bed. You could store a bunch of stuff under there. Uh, if you're storing water, um, it generally will fit underneath your bed. And if you want to get water bricks, like five-gallon uh, buckets for storing water, they do make some that are uh, low-profile that can that can flip uh, slide underneath your bed. Another idea is to just raise your bed up a little bit, either with some bricks or they do make some little risers that you can put your bed up on, and that just gives you a little more space to store all your stuff. So that's one I do really like. Uh, storage furniture is a good idea, so like an, an ottoman that has storage space is a good one. Or maybe a, a nice a decorative trunk that you don't mind looking at, and that could just be uh, something you store a bunch of stuff in, and then maybe the top surface can be something where you display some tchotchkes or put a lamp or whatever. But, uh, you know, a decorative trunk is a good solution. Um, when I was staying down in L.A. working, uh, my girlfriend lived in a small studio, and we didn't have much space. And I made her um, a little emergency kit. And it was, uh, I got a rolling case. It was, uh, I imagine like just a, a large rolling suitcase, but it was, it was very hard uh, and um, rectangular. So I packed a bunch of stuff in there and then turned it up on its edge, got a piece of wood and kind of put it over the top and maybe draped a little fabric over it. So it became like kind of a bedside table. And then in an emergency situation, you just remove that board and then pull the handle out and it's got little wheels and you roll it right out of the house. So that was a solution when we lived in a little studio apartment with no space. Uh, it's duffel bags, fanny packs, or other portable storage solutions. Sure, that kind of goes along with the, um, the suitcase idea. Um, spare bedrooms, attics, garages, or basements, but be mindful. Uh, these areas are subject to extreme temperature changes which can damage delicate supplies such as food and medicine. Yeah, that's true. My medicine I do keep in my bathroom, as I mentioned earlier, and we'll talk about this in a bit, but uh, I like to keep my first aid kit on hand to use as needed in everyday life. Um, so yeah, my medicines are in, a, in the bathroom, which feels like a safe space. And then often these spaces are difficult to access in an, emer in an emergency, making it difficult to retrieve vital supplies when time is of the essence. Yeah, that is, that is true. That is the risk with the basement, right? If your house shifts and all of a sudden there's a bunch of debris on top of your emergency supplies. So uh, that kind of goes back to something we talked about earlier. If your house is seismically sound, basement's probably a good option. If it's not, you know, maybe just keep some stuff down there. And kind of like, like we said earlier, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, this also says um, number 10, your car. Number 11, your office. And we kind of talked about that a bit. 
And this is one I really liked quite a bit. Hadn't thought of this. 12, each person's bedroom. Each person should have their own stock of emergency supplies that they can be responsible for. Um, I like this one. I think every family member could have their own plastic tote, you know, uh, something structurally sound and watertight. And they are responsible for keeping that tote full of stuff that they personally need. So they will be responsible for putting the comfort items that they're going to want, some of their clothes that they would want, uh, a bit of food, a bit of water, and um, maybe make it a family plan where you review that box annually and rotate out food and water uh, based on expiration date. But it also gives a little sense of responsibility to the family members, maybe the younger family members in the house, and starts to teach them about about um, starts to teach them a bit about preparedness as well. Um, if you had a good enough size tote too, you could also um, divide some of the like family-wide supplies among those totes. Say one person's tote has to have a family tent, and another person's tote might have like the little uh, camp stove or something like that. So. You, and then in an emergency situation, everybody grabs their tote, brings it along, and then it's sort of a Voltron situation where all the totes combined make one super tote. So I, I like that plan quite a bit. Uh, oh, then it goes on to talk about where to avoid storing emergency supplies. So this says avoid outbuildings, such as sheds or garages. They're often the first to be damaged or destroyed in a storm, so they should not be used to store emergency supplies. Yeah, I guess that's a case-by-case -case basis. You need to kind of evaluate your own outbuilding or garage if you have one and decide uh, if that's safe for you. Uh, I feel like this website might be more of a Midwest thing where they're dealing with uh, more tornadoes, which I can see an outbuilding being a bad choice in that sort of um, environment. Uh, avoid damp basements. Yeah, and that is something we definitely deal with here. If you've got a damp, musty basement, um, you know, just think about how you're going to store that. I would not store it on the floor, so put it on a pallet or something like that and make sure you've got nice watertight containers to store that stuff in. Avoid cluttered areas. Yeah, um, if you're a bit of a hoarder or cluttered type person, you may have a hard time finding your supplies when you need them, so that is a good tip. And hard to reach spots. Yeah, I mean, obviously you want access to your stuff when you need it. Um, again, that's a little bit of a case-by-case. -case. If you live in a small apartment, I think you need to be taking advantage of those hard-to-reach hard spots. And, um, you know, if that works for you, then I think that's okay. But um, that is a good, good thought, though. Got to make sure you can get there uh, when you need it. And then it gives you some tips for organizing emergency supplies. Uh, it suggests dividing by type, use, and frequency. Yeah, that's something I like to do for my go bag and kit. I kind of bundle like things together. So I've got like a, a fire kit um, or a water preparedness kit. And I kind of put all these things together in a Ziploc bag. So if I know I need to start a fire, I can kind of grab that bag out and use the supplies in that bag. Uh, I will often use a, um, I mentioned it earlier, but like a, a seal a meal vacuum pack bag uh, situation for that. So it sucks all the air out, keeps that, that packaging um, small, but it also uh, is transparent so I can see through. I can, I can physically see everything that's in that bag as well. Um, so that's a good, good plan. Um, organized by person, make sure you have enough for each person. So if you were employing that thing we talked about earlier about storing uh, each family member is responsible for their own box, uh, that kind of plays into that, right? That's that person's individual responsibility um, to put everything in the box that they're going to want. So that kind of feeds into that. Uh, consider crush resistant. Yeah, we've talked about that using a plastic tote or something that's not going to crush. Like I said, you don't you don't want uh, your emergency supplies in a wet cardboard box that's just going to crumble apart. Store loose items in tubs or totes. Yeah. Label everything with names and expiration dates. That's a good plan. Um, We'll talk about the, the, this in a, in a bit, but uh, I do keep a lot of totes in my garage on a shelf, and uh, I just put a label right on there. It says, you know, like, I've got a kitchen kit, and it lists the things that are in that box. So um, I can find them easily, or someone else can find them easily if I'm not around. Uh, create an inventory list. We did talk about that a bit, um, about using, uh, for me, it's a Google spreadsheet. Um, and... Uh, maybe having a hard copy of that as well, not just a digital copy, or having a backup copy on a USB that you could, um, you could reference later. 
and inspect, purge, and restock often. By having that Google Sheet with that reminders add-on we talked about, that's going to help you track those inspection dates and those expiration dates, which is very helpful. But um, it's a good idea to maybe make an annual party of this to just review your kit. I recommend recommend September 1st. September is National Preparedness Month, so you just kind of get in the mindset of uh, preparedness and kind of think about that once a month, or I'm sorry, once a year in September. Um, And at that point also, there's a good chance that some of these emergency preparedness supply stores will be having good, you know, preparedness month sales. So you can take advantage of some of these sales and things on emergency preparedness supplies during the month of September. Okay, so there's one last website I want to check, and that's publicalerts.org. And honestly, I should have just started here at the beginning of this whole search. Uh, This is a fantastic website. Uh, This is a sort of a collective. um, It is a, uh, it's a site hosted by the Portland Bureau of Emergency Management on behalf of the entire region. Uh, The content is managed by the Disaster Messaging Group of the Regional Disaster Preparedness Organization. Um, Contributors include Clackamas, Clark, Columbia, Multnomah, and Washington County as well as cities of Portland, cities of Gresham, Metro, Red Cross Cascades region, and many others. So it really is just like a conglomeration of information about emergency preparedness that is specific to the Portland metro area. It's a great one-stop shop for all the information you could possibly want about emergency preparedness. Uh, It's also a place where you can go to sign up to get public alerts. This is a life-saving information that can be sent to you via text or a landline and you can get uh, immediate updates on um, emergencies as they're happening in your area so it's a great place to not only get informed but also be alerted when something uh, is going on i really love the site because it is super user friendly super digestible it's not overwhelming if you've ever gone to like the website for instance it's almost just like a punch in the face on the homepage. It's like too much information. It's overwhelming. Um, this site at first glance seems to be very basic, but it does a really good job of sort of um, gating information so that when you start clicking on stuff, it just starts kind of uncovering layers and layers and layers. And you can kind of dig down into all these different avenues and uh, learn a whole bunch about emergency preparedness. And it just kind of happens organically and naturally super user-friendly, super nice site to use. And like I said, it's not overwhelming, which I find can be the case on a lot of sites that uh, I look at online, specifically uh, government sites about emergency preparedness. Anyway, uh, if you dig into that site a bit, publicalerts.org slash supplies, you'll find a page about gathering supplies and they talk about a lot of the common stuff, you know, what to store, types of kit, basic survival items and sure enough you go down far enough on the page and you find a tab says uh, where to store supplies let's click on that let's see so i've just clicked on that tab um, and it talks about some stuff that we've discussed already such as considering risks in an emergency you'll need to get your supplies quickly you don't want them in a place that's hard to access or likely be damaged in a disaster like your basement so it's sort of steering you away from the basement a little bit Um, then it also says though, but if you store supplies outside in a garage or shed, they may be more likely to get stolen or damaged by extreme temperatures. Um, so it's, then it gets into, uh, what's best for you. And it talks about everybody having their own circumstances, different kinds of homes, uh, different financial resources, different hazards, different ways of measuring risk. It basically sums it up by saying we all have to approach supply storage with our own circumstances in mind. And it says, um, pretty much that some people find that it might be too risky to store your supplies indoors, whereas others might find them too risky to be stored outdoors. Um, So there's kinds of pros and cons of each, and it really asks you to make a determination for yourself. But the one thing it does really recommend, and it's the one thing that I've been kind of um, suggesting along the way, is uh, diversify. And it's the idea of spreading your, um, your preparedness storage throughout your home. So uh, again, not putting all your eggs in one basket. It says one way to deal with the risk is to keep supplies in a few different areas. For example, store your more expensive and fragile items inside your home 
in an easy to access location. Keep everything else outside your home in a secure garage, shed, container, or vehicle. This is an especially good approach for water. If your entire water supply is damaged, you'll have a big problem. Keep some indoors and some outdoors. Hide some in various places throughout your home. Yeah, and that's, um, that's exactly what I tend to do. I've got water stored in about three different places, and I do have a lot of um, preparedness supplies throughout the house. Like I said, some I use on a daily basis, but it's part of my emergency plan. And others are kind of stored and staged and ready to go in the garage. Um, the one thing to keep in mind, though, that I think the site maybe doesn't quite point out is that um, with your preps stored all over the place, in an, emergency, in an emergency situation, you may not have the presence of mind to remember what you need or where you're storing it. So I find it's a really good practice to make a, almost a roadmap of what you have and where it is. So it's a list um, that you can follow very easily. In an emergency situation, you grab your emergency your printed copy of your emergency plan and there's already a printed out list and it, it's essentially a checklist. Grab this box, it's on this shelf in the garage. Grab this first aid kit, it's on this shelf in the bathroom. Grab this five gallon uh, container of water that is under the stairs, or what have you. So you're not guessing uh, in a high stress situation uh, what you need or where it is. Um, the benefit of this also is that you could hand this list off to somebody else and they could gather your supplies for you or uh, in a real uh, emergency situation where you don't have a lot of time, someone else could kind of help you gather that stuff and get it out of your house. So um, yeah, I definitely encourage everyone to check out publicalerts.org. Just spend 15 minutes clicking around that site. You're certainly going to find something that uh, is, is of interest to you. So we've looked at a lot, a lot of different stuff. And this is, this is my recommendation. This is my solution that I've done for myself. Um, again, I'm not the authority. This is just what works for me. And what I like to do is, for my storage solution, is thinking about my preparedness as a three-tier, sorry, thinking about my preparedness as a three-tiered system. It's sort of a good, better, best scenario. So sort of working on this idea of if you had to evacuate immediately, you only had one minute to, to get out of your house, what are you going to grab? Uh, if you had one hour, um, how much stuff would you grab? And if you had a whole day to think about uh, evacuating and grabbing things, what's on that list? So your priority one should be a, a single bag with all of your essentials. This should be your grab and go bag, something that you can carry. Uh, if you if you need to leave on foot, whether a backpack or even possibly a rolling suitcase, uh, something that you could Im immediately walk away with, and this should have all your emergency essentials in it. Um, this is a much bigger conversation about what those are, but uh, think it about think about this bag as the foundation of your two weeks ready kit. It should have a bunch of your your, your basic stuff in it. Um, it's, it won't have two weeks worth of food or water in it. There's no way you're going to fit all that in a, a rolling suitcase with everything else you're going to need, but it should have a little bit of food and a little bit of water. Um, and again, uh, if you only had one minute to get out of your house, say there's a fire and you need to go, uh, and you only have, can grab one thing, this, this should be it. So keeping that somewhere near the front door in a, a hall closet, um, I do have a dedicated, preparedness closet so I would just go to there grab that bag and and get out me then there you got the priority two stuff this is if you've got a little bit more time to evacuate this should be the rest of your two weeks ready stuff so it's going to be a lot of your food and your water and all this is stuff that you could potentially put into your car and drive away with um, this would have food and water your twin bucket system which is a system for dealing with human waste when there's no sewer um, that's a whole episode in, in and of itself comfort items extra clothes uh, stuff that you can um, be comfortable when you need to evacuate to a friend's house or a shelter or something like that. And then there's the priority three, which is sort of like the worst case scenario, but it's, I kind of think about it as the, um, I may not be returning home stuff. It's, it's everything else that you're going to need and want. And um, that's a much bigger conversation as well. But um yeah, that's sort of the the the, the three tier preparedness um, 
system that I found works for me. Um, so I've got a copy of my priority checklist here. So what I've done is I've literally created a list of these priorities. Um, this is part of my emergency evacuation plan that someone else can look at. And so my plan, um, as I said, I, I like to keep things sort of split up throughout the house. So I've got a little bit of water in the house. If that water gets compromised, I've got some more outside. If that gets compromised, I got a little bit more in the garage. Uh, I've got some emergency food in the house, some more in the garage. So it's kind of split up. This isn't the best solution for like the immediate um, bug out scenario, but this kind of falls into that priority two situation where I have enough time to gather everything and get it into the car. But uh, what I don't want to be doing when I'm panicked in an emergency situation is trying to remember where all of the stuff is. You're probably going to be a little scattered. Uh, in our case, we're going to be pretty scattered trying to find the cats and get them ready to evacuate. Um, and I don't need to be guessing about what I need. So I've got a list that tells me exactly what I've already planned on needing and where I can find it. Or a list that I can hand off to my partner or a friend or a neighbor and they can help me gather that stuff. So my priority one, uh, well, first of all, it's my cats, Willis and Ripplebean. So I've got a, I got a, I need to take care of them. Um, and this, um, this tells you where to find the cat carriers, the, the crates to pack them into. It tells, tells you where they're located. And it also tells you where to find their go bag. They have their own go bag ready to go. It's a little rolling case. Um, and, uh, someone else can find this if they need to using this list. And then it tells you where to go to find the go bag I mentioned. Uh, it also talks about another bag that you should grab, which is a, a fireproof and waterproof bag. Um, it's easy to locate. It's along with my uh, go bag that has all my documents in it. Uh, this, that's a whole other episode as well, but it has uh, some cash and some maps and things like that in it, uh, paperwork. And then it lists a few other places throughout the house that you're going to need to go to find a couple of other things that I have, including that first aid kit I mentioned, uh, how to find that in the bathroom and um, a few other things as well. Then um, priority two, this tells you where to find sort of the rest of the two weeks emergency um, supply, the two weeks ready stuff. So the rest of the food, the rest of the water, the rest of the cat food, it's all the things that I've identified as needing for my two weeks preparedness kit and where to find them. Again, I don't wanna be trying to figure out where this is in the moment, uh, I just have to follow this list. And then if we get all the way down into priority three, this lists some other things too. So that's, uh, that's about it. I hopefully have answered that question for you a little bit better than I have in the past. If you asked that question in the game, where should I store my stuff? And I sort of waffled around that answer. Um, I hope I sort of answered some of that today. Um, I want to thank you for listening to this. And I wanted to thank my guest chatbot for helping me do some of this research. You're welcome. I'm glad I could assist you on your first podcast as a guest. It's always exciting to be part of new endeavors. If you have any more questions or need further assistance in the future, feel free to reach out. Best of luck with your podcast, and I hope it turns out to be a great success. I want to remind you that prepping is an ongoing process. It's something that takes time. I've been working on it for years, and um, it can be a little scary sometimes to stand in front of this big wall of preparedness and be almost paralyzed in fear because you, you think there's no way you can do it. Um, I always urge people to start with water. Uh, that's the most important prep. Remember to store one gallon per person and pet per day for 14 days. Start there, start with your water and then work up to what's next. Um, it, it is an ongoing process and you do not need to spend a bunch of money to be prepared. You can take advantage of sell, sales and um, prep over time. A lot of the stuff you're going to find you have on hand already. Um, but if you do want to buy uh, an emergency kit and have someone else take the stress away from you, um, you can do that. And I would really like to recommend uh, Cascadia Ready for your emergency preparedness supply kit needs. Uh, this is a Portland-owned, uh, woman-owned business started by Marilyn Bishop. She's a fantastic woman who makes these amazing kits 
with real quality supplies. It's it's not a bunch of garbage. Um, the, the items in her kits are a superior quality. She also makes a wide variety of kits based on the number of fam uh, based on the number of members in your family, and also different tiers of kits. We sort of talked about the tier system earlier. So she has a, a basic kit, and then a uh, a more advanced kit, and then like the the deluxe kit with everything it could possibly need. And then each of those kits further broken down into the number of members in your family. Um, they are reasonably priced, but um, she can help you get prepared essentially overnight if you want to buy your way into preparedness. That certainly is an option. I would urge you to check out CascadiaReady.com. And if you use the promo code ShakyGroundsCafe, you will get uh, a free emergency preparedness kit that uh, fits in your glove box. Um, so definitely check her out if you want to buy a kit. Um, and, um, yeah, if you want to learn more about emergency preparedness, I would ask you to check out the shaky grounds cafe. It's my emergency preparedness themed escape room. You're going to solve a bunch of puzzles about emergency preparedness for one hour. Um, the idea is that you've survived an earthquake, but you're desperately low on coffee. So you've decided to, uh, scavenge the remains of a local coffee shop in hopes of finding coffee and other emergency preparedness supplies. Uh, all the puzzles teach you a bit about emergency preparedness, and you're going to come out of there knowing more than you did when you went in. Um, and we also distribute uh, hard copies of information for you at the end of your game. It's an excellent team-building experience for you, your family, your workplace, um, your scouts, church, uh, youth group. Um, it's it's a great experience for anyone. It's mobile. I can bring it to you. I can uh, drive it to your corporate team-building event or to your private party. Uh, to your what have you. Uh, you can find out more about the Shaky Grounds Cafe at sidequestescapegames.com. We also do pop-up events around town where you can come meet us and play our game. And you can buy your tickets online, again, at sidequestescapegames.com. Uh, you can find out where we are on that website and book your game online and then come on out and play the game. I uh, hope to see you down there. And I again, I thank you for joining us today. Um, be safe and uh, get prepared. You've been listening to the Shaky Grounds Cafe podcast. To learn more tips about preparing for disasters in the Pacific Northwest or to find out how to play our unique escape room game, please visit www.sidequestescapegames.com or follow us on Instagram at Shaky Grounds Cafe. Thank you for listening.